0: Moves That Matters with Dr. Clyde Posley. I am your host, Dr. Clyde Posley, and we are excited uh, about our show today. We have a fun field show today, a fat field show today, and just a tremendous voice in the African American community to help us kick off our month of African American uh, new voices and new strides forward uh, series of programs for the month, for the Black History Month, the month of February. We're looking forward to our conversations all week long. And today, we have with us a guest, one of Indiana's own uh, and recent inductee into the Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame, Ken Barlow, will be with us today. And uh, following this this brief introduction, we're going to have an in-depth conversation with this, uh, uh, one of Indiana's greatest basketball legends ever. We're excited to have him. He's also a believer in Christ, and so we're just excited to see what this black man this leader in the community is doing to promote diversity and be the example of what black history has always designed, been designed to produce for us. I'd like to remind you about my book, More Than Icons and Images, uncovering the hidden protest narrative of the black athlete uh, in the United States. We're selling the book and we're discussing the book. You can purchase the book as you see on the screen from amazon.com, Barnes and Nobles and every place where books are sold. Again, that's more than icons and images, uncovering the hidden protest narrative of the black athlete in the 21st century. So we're excited. We're gonna be right back with our guest. We're gonna use the bulk of our show today uh, to give this tremendous guest an opportunity to share with us uh, what this induction means, what impact he's trying to make in the community as a, as a uh, uh, former black athlete and now as a, as a child of God. We'll be right back with you in just a moment. Hello, and we're back. I'm Dr. Clive Posley. This is Moves That Matters, and we are back. And I'm glad to have with us our guest, uh, Brother Ken Barlow. Brother Ken Barlow, we are glad to have him with us today. He is a recent inductee into the Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame, a prestigious honor anywhere in the country, but especially here in Indiana. Uh, Brother Kim Barlow also uh, works, um, I'll let him describe for you what what his position is here at the Cathedral High School, one of our more prestigious high schools here in Indianapolis.
1: Yes, my position is uh, Vice President for Community Relations and Diversity, and I uh, charge Cathedral to make sure their doors are always welcoming to everyone who enters. Uh, No matter if you are five years old to 105 years old, we try to make sure that we are addressing the needs of the people across the board.
0: Well, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Welcome, uh, Mr. Barlow, we're glad to have you. Um, We are excited. Uh, I'm I'm excited about our friendship over the years and just how you've represented yourself uh, as a a believer in the kingdom and uh, just an example on, on and off the court we're going to get into some of that a little bit later but we're just excited uh to to have you here uh, in Indiana you know so often uh when people um enjoy some of the great fruit that goes with um, uh uh the celebrity sometimes it happens with being a professional basketball player as you were both um in the NBA and abroad uh, overseas so often they they those uh their talents are drawn away mm-hmm. uh and uh, and I and I know happen to know you had those options but uh, you chose to come back here to Indiana and and to um, uh, sow in the field that, that had a lot to do with uh, you becoming the great man that you became. So God bless you. We have, we thank you. I know that you've blessed multiple families uh, because of that. So I want to get into the interview and and just kind of uh, give you an opportunity to 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 be the voice in, in, in our uh, Black History Month, uh, Black History Month and I, the voices that I want to bring in our month. These these voices represent not only Black history, but the produce, the strides moving forward of what our history has produced. So these voices, you represent one of these voices that, that is not just a historical voice, but is a voice that's still underway making things happen. So um, if you would, Talk to us about how you fell in love uh, with basketball. Yeah, that's a a great
1: question. Uh, I I had to dig deep to really think about that question. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if I go back to my childhood, Mm -hmm. uh, when my brother and I used to listen to the Cleveland Cavaliers on the radio, uh, I had to think that that's probably the first point where I really loved Mm -hmm. basketball, even though I didn't even play. At the time, I just listened to the Cleveland Cavs Mm -hmm. back when they had guys like Campy Russell Mm -hmm. and Foots Walker, Mm -hmm. Nate Thurman. Nate Thurman. uh, Guys are legends. (laughs) And uh, I remember just how passionate I was just Mm -hmm. to listen to the game on the radio. Because, you know, back in the 70s, all games weren't broadcast on on live TV. That's true. And so uh, I remember those days, like, just being excited to go home and to catch the Cavs because they actually had a great run back in the 74, 75 season. They couldn't get past the Celtics, but they, they were good. So I think, I think it started there. Uh, I didn't play, uh, but when we moved to Indiana in the summer of 1976, mm-hmm. and I, I ended up going to a park on the south side of Bethel Park. How old were you then? I, I was uh, 11, almost okay. 12. Okay. And uh, I ran into a girl. How tall were you at 12? Uh, I was about six feet tall. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I, was, I, I ran into a young lady by the name of uh, Tanya Williams, okay. who was a legend over at Manual High School. She, oh, okay. And uh, she ended up being an Indiana All-Star. And uh, I didn't know who she was. My brother didn't know who she was. And she challenged us to play a game of Mm -hmm. one-on-one. I backed down because I didn't think I was that good anyway. Mm -hmm. And my brother played, and she skunked him. (laughs) <laughs> she really <laughs> yeah, she was really good. Uh, be it as it may, uh, you know, I was like, "Wow!" I said, "These kids in Indiana could really play the basketball." I said, if "The girls are playing better than the boys were playing in over in Ohio." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there must really be something here. And I used to go to the park, right? And uh, really didn't get picked. I mean, you really had to earn your way oh, yeah, onto the court.
0: That's that's that that's the thing mm-hmm. here. You. Whether West Montgomery Park or out of ben Davis on the outside <laughs> or or brookside or, or wherever you 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 could be watching all day <laughs> right. or, or, or or get picked right you know you brought up something um uh, uh about uh, you know the players in indiana talk talk to us a little bit about um just just some of your your background even before you got here because uh mm-hmm. I think some of our viewers would be interested in knowing that you did you've been around as a child you have been around around the world
1: oh yes uh My father is a military guy, spent Mm. 20 years in the military. I was actually born in San Antonio, Texas. Mm -hmm. I began uh, kindergarten, first, second grade in a place called Masawa, Japan, Mm. and uh, subsequently moved to northern Michigan, almost to the upper peninsula. Mm. Uh, They call that lumberjack country.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, And then we moved from there because my mother's from Cleveland, and she had followed my father around the world Mm -hmm. for uh, 20 years uh, he, he showed her some compassion and took us mm. back to Ohio. And uh, we went to Ohio when I was in the end of the fourth grade, fourth,
0: fifth, and sixth grade. So let me just break in here. So so, so the, does that have anything to do with your affinity for <laughs> LeBron James? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Absolutely. You know, okay. a lot of people
1: don't understand that. A lot of people right. around Indiana see, don't see, that's know. that's why we need these interviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't know that no. I have an Ohio... A uh, Cleveland Connexion. connection. Right. Right. right, right. And so, like I said earlier, you know, just w- listening to the Cavs right. on the radio, right. and now the homegrown Akron born LeBron sure. James sure. is the premier player in the NBA. Sure. Uh, and sure. for me, and social
0: activist. Right, and right.
1: social activist. So, I, I admire him from a, a sports perspective, mm-hmm. but also from a social perspective. Right. I mean, you're talking about a young man that uh, only has a high school diploma. Uh, but handles himself right. in terms of his celebrity and his voice being a powerful statement sure. in the community I, I you know i can't even i don't even think I have the words to tell you how much I really appreciate right. what he stands for and what he does
0: I, and, and, and and as you can tell from Facebook i 'm a staunch LeBron defender because I believe that um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I believe that your platform, whether it be the NBA or whatever, uh, as particularly as an African American male is requires a dual a citizenship if you will yes. uh for you to uh he- um, speak to both worlds uh if 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 you don't mind um Ken, uh, take a moment you know uh th- this would normally be our theological spot mm-hmm. um I, in in that spot in the broadcast i would uh uh open the word of God and kind of just share uh from the word of God uh, the little bit i know uh to share my some of my convictions I'd like you to take a couple of moments uh just just to share with us about your faith. Uh, how you how you came to believe as you do mm-hmm. and um, what being a man of faith means to you in this current uh political climate and uh current US state
1: uh oh, yeah, my my faith is is critical uh i think you can relate to that being mm-hmm. critical sure. uh having a foundation to stand on Uh, To not cower down in the face of adversity, Uh, I think it all stemmed from really my family, Mm -hmm. and and growing up in that. I I remember being in Japan and Mm -hmm. not being able to go to church, Mm -hmm. and my mother having Bible study in the house. Wow! Uh, You know, as a four, five, six-year-old, right? And my mother took the time to bring us together Mm -hmm. uh, to tell us what thus says the Lord. Right. Uh, That's powerful. And and so you know, I I was Mm -hmm. I got that as a early at an early age. Uh, and I was fortunate uh, to have both my grandparents, grandfathers, who were pastors. Uh-huh. Uh, so I had that, and then I had my uncles and relatives. So I come from a family of people of yeah, faith. Train up a child, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely, and uh, and they believed in that. Train right. them up, you know. Uh, they they believed that kids were foolish, but right. the rod of correction right. uh, would drive us, you know, in the right direction, yeah, okay. uh, and through the Word of God. So, you know, I had a great foundation. I had mm. I had great people of God around me. Uh, I mentioned my mother, but my grandfather, my other grandfather, my uncles, uh, you know, who held us accountable. I remember being a fourth, fifth, sixth grader, being in church all Mm -hmm. day. I remember Bible studies and and choir rehearsals, and I couldn't sing, but uh, they said we have to sing a joyful noise unto the Lord. Right. You know, so uh, that's just what we did. I mean, I remember moving to Indianapolis and living right across the street from Bethany Baptist Church.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. You know that that brings uh, to mind this question. I, and working with youth, as you do, mm-hmm. um, as you're known to do here in the Indiana, Greater Indianapolis area, how do you share um, your faith? Uh, and I, I know Cathedral is has a religious base to it, right? Uh, but but how do you share your faith with young men and young women? Uh, whether African American or not, right um, in, in a world that, that that often seems to frown on public expression of intimacy with Christ. Well, the, the fortunate
1: thing for me is I, I am in an environment every mm-hmm. day uh, that does not shun faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great thing for me as well uh, being a Baptist minister mm-hmm. is that I can share with students uh, every day mm-hmm. who are not Catholic, uh, my Baptist faith. Right. I had a young lady come to me just yesterday mm-hmm. and told me at 17 she just accepted Christ,
0: wow. and we just
1: celebrated. That is I, awesome. I, she, I, I can't even. You know, right. we just celebrated that. I was like, you know, Maja, I'm so proud of you mm-hmm. that the Lord has touched you and that you answered His call right, right. to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord right. and, and it's Savior. And
0: still, and some a young person who still feels it's cool right to be with Christ, right, to, right. Be, to be close with Christ.
1: And it's tough. It's tough for kids right. these days, mm-hmm. particularly with social media and the world right. at their fingertips. Right. You know, they have so many distractions, but for when you see a young lady or young man come mm-hmm. to your office and share that they've accepted Christ, it means a whole That's lot. That's powerful. <laughs>
0: That's powerful. The kingdom of God is wherever faith is. Yes. Wherever the faith in Jesus Christ resides, kingdom of God is there. As that, and, and even on Facebook. Even, even on Facebook. Even on Twitter. Yes. Even on Instagram. You know, that that, that is fantastic. I, um... Uh, man it's just it's just so much for us to discuss here but uh so 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 your 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 faith you know as a as a baptist minister um you know t- talk- to us a little bit about you know uh what it's like to be uh a former world class athlete mm-hmm. and now a preacher well you know now i
1: i used to uh, you know God took me in a lot of great places mm-hmm. and uh I have to acknowledge him. Even through basketball, mm-hmm. and and I think you mentioned earlier are uh, just about having a platform, mm-hmm. you know. And I I know some places along the road my my journey, I probably dropped the ball and didn't use the platform the Lord had given me as we all have, right? right. To to really profess, you know, Christ as Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, that being said. Uh, I, I came to the realization that that's what the Lord wanted me to do. Right. And so now I still have a platform right. uh, to speak. And, and people still look to me, mm-hmm. and they, they watch me. And, mm-hmm. and I want to not only to be an example from the pulpit, but also in my daily walk and how I'm speaking to people. You are. And uh, how I address them and how mm-hmm. I express kindness to them, even in the face of difficult mm-hmm. difficulties. you know? Right. Uh, that's important. I came back to my community back in the 90s, uh, still playing basketball, Uh, just to try to help empower the community uh, where our indie Parks uh, was closing at the time. And so we were trying to subsidize kids to be able to go to summer camps, you know, just to give them an opportunity where I didn't necessarily believe we we needed more police officers on the street. I think I thought we needed to use that money to educate kids. So Mm -hmm. I just dug into my pocket not to pat myself on the back because the Lord blessed me. To have those. I think
0: things. it's good. I think it's good to hear. I think it needs to be said. Here's an athlete who 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 took some of his earnings, took some of his what they would call riches or wealth, and sold it back into his community. And you don't have to apologize. Right. For that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I
1: just don't want to come across as saying sure. you know for the right reason. Right. Uh, but it was it was just. I remember those days where I went to the park uh, mm-hmm. to play, and I and I don't discredit. Uh, Pride Community Center in the heart of mm-hmm. the South Side of Indianapolis—that—that right. Uh, right. That was really my my gateway to Notre Dame. To tell you the truth, I mean, I had my my grade school coach told me he said, "Do you know how far Notre Dame is from Prospect Street?" Mm-hmm. And he really meant that uh, in a in a literal sense, mm-hmm. but also in a sense of uh, you know Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of kids from the South Side right. that are right. going there, and right. and and I actually chose Notre Dame really not just for myself but for everybody else to let people other people know who look like me
0: that they right. too could go to a place like Notre Dame. Right. Yeah. That is that yeah. is that is that is that is huge. And I, I know uh you you had uh someone to follow you there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, Scott Scott Higgs. Hicks. Yeah, Scotty Hicks. Woman.
1: And I was happy to have him, And We right. were we were roommates up there and and Scotty's a, a man of faith himself. Sure. So
0: sure. Well, uh, Scotty and I actually went to the same church as kid. First Samuel. Baptist oh, church. Okay, okay. We, Westside. We played uh, uh, at the, at the, at the 10th Street, uh, boys club together. Okay. He, me, Darren Fitzgerald, and all right. right. But I'm much younger, much, much yeah. younger than they are. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, but yeah we are yeah. right there behind the friendship, um, Baptist Church, right? We all went to high school together, Sherman Williams, right, right. So we all went right. to, and I think at at some point, uh, what? Sheldon Williams, uh, Sheldon Smith. I'm sorry, right? Was uh, I don't know that he was going to First Samuel, but he was he went to 75, okay. So right, so, right. which is across the street from what right. well, was across the street from um, the First Samuel Baptist Church, okay, 10th in Bellevue, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah it was uh, it, it was a tremendous time. So uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about um, you know your basketball career. Overseas, as we as we kind of lead into the conversation that led to um, uh, your induction into the Indian High School Hall of Fame. I know that you had a stellar career here at Cathedral High School, and you uh, and at Notre Dame, and uh, first round draft choice in in, in the NBA, and a uh, career overseas. But just talk to us about uh, just your basketball career, leading and what led uh, lead leading up to uh, your induction into the. Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame.
1: You know, I have to give a a lot of credit to a lot of people who helped Mm -hmm. me, to Mm -hmm. tell you the truth. Uh, uh, The one probably good gift that I had that the Lord gave me was the ability to listen. Mm. Uh, Say that again. (laughs) Now, what was the great gift? I want
0: every young person who's listening uh, and and, and has hopes of a a pro career or a D1 scholarship or a D2 or 3 scholarship. Right, right. What did you say was a gift that God had given you that helped you? God gave me the gift to listen. Listen to the people, to my coaches. Mm-hmm. The uh, Bible says, "Be slow
1: to speak and quick, quick to hear." Listen. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and I had a lot of great uh, coaches in my mm-hmm. life, and I, I listened to every one of them. I I tell you this. Don Nelson uh, told me I went to visit with the Milwaukee Bucks mm-hmm. right before the eighty-six draft, mm-hmm. and he told me, and I, and I took that as a badge of honor. He said, "You know, the one thing I noticed about your game." beyond shooting the ball and running and rebounding and defending, mm-hmm. is I noticed that every time out you were attentive to your coach.
0: Wow, uh-huh. that's a big deal.
1: Right. And I never thought about it, but uh, I knew I had to listen right. if I wanted to get to the next place that I was trying to get to. Right. So I tr- I was able to listen and then process what the coach told me and then try to, at my best ability, to put that into action when mm-hmm. I was on the court. And and it worked out for me. so. And, and the, the next thing I think I knew was my self-worth. Yeah. Uh, so you, you have to uh, establish a foundation. So when it came time for me to go to the NBA, which was my dream, like everyone who plays basketball's dream is to go to the NBA, yeah, right, right. I never thought that I would get to the point where I had to tell my dream no. Uh, so I got to negotiating the contract, uh, my NBA contract, and it, it just wasn't up to par. And so I took a choice to go overseas to play,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which was not a popular thing back in 1986. Right. Uh, guys weren't running to go overseas. Now you hear guys, sure. it's like a popular thing sure. to do. But uh, I thought that I would go and come back.
0: And I, I, thought, I, thought, I, I think this is an important a point to make here because often there's this thought in the mind of some athletes that if a person plays overseas – it's because they can't play in the NBA. Right. Or they can't make it. And I've been telling people that for years. <laughs> right. As you know, my my, my son um um uh, was was uh, uh had trial with the um uh, Bears, his football okay. player. And um, you know, and I was letting and then he thought about going over to Canada, he was kinda of discouraged about it. And I and I wish, I hope he's going to listen to this broadcast mm-hmm. because it's important for people to know you are one. You chose right. to do this. It wasn't that you could not. Right. It's a conscious choice. And I, yeah, professional basketball is professional basketball. And and the professional part is
1: critical. Yeah. A, a lot of people think it's all about uh, can you score a basket? Can you jump thirty six inches? Mm-hmm. Can you make a pass? Can you defend? Really, uh, some of it. The business side of the professional side of it is. Is there a fit for you? Right. You know what I mean? Uh, At your talent. At your talent, right. right? Uh, Do they have players in your position in front of you? Mm -hmm. Are you going to get an opportunity to play? Mm -hmm. I could have signed the contract and probably been out of the league in a year because the Hawks told me uh, we're happy with our lineup before I even stepped on the court with them. And and I I didn't discredit. Like, so why are you bring me in? <laughs> right. Right. <That's>, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that was yeah. my question to yeah. them. I said so so yeah so <laughs> right. so you know their answer to me was that, I asked them that. They said uh, the answer to that is you're the best available player. And so now we're going to hold you for two years. And if we don't get market value. Uh, you're not going to play. That's the business side. That's the business side. That's the professional side. Right, that's the business so, side. Yes, yeah. so, but anyway, I never knew that I would go to Europe and have the success, mm-hmm. and uh, as it were, I ended up on a team with guy Bob McAdoo, who you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, Mike D'Antoni, who's now the coach of the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. There's another guy who was on that team, Dino Menegain, who's in the uh, Naismith Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And then you're playing against people like Oscar Schmidt, who's in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. guy named Nick Gallus, who's in the Hall of Fame. And then guys like Daryl Dawkins and, and Artis Gilmore right. show up Reggie Theus, Right. Michael Ray Richardson. So I called my brother. I said, Hey man, I said, I ain't in the NBA. I said, but well, I'm playing against the The NBA of- <laughs> is here. <laughs> the NBA yeah. is here. Right, okay. right. So they were there. Right. And uh, and you know, and then I Bob McAdoo probably was the greatest basketball mentor I ever had. Mm, I've heard
0: that about. About him. Oh, know, he, uh, he held some records at Vincennes. Right. Um, a few people know about that. So he had some Indiana roots. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. There's some guys right here in the city. Oscar Evans from uh, Short Ridge High School back in the late 60s. who mm-hmm. still He's a good friend of Bob McAdoo's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just a small world because McAdoo played at Vincennes before he went to North Carolina. That's right. And his friendships are still right here in Hoosierland with right. guys like Oscar Evans, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who was the great player in Short Ridge mm-hmm. when they made a run in the late 60s. But right. uh, that being said, I went to Europe and uh, –
0: Play with Mcadoo and 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 D'Antoni. You and don't guys. have to be so modest. Tell them how many titles you won there. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's okay. Hey, listen,
1: it was uh, it was a great run. Yeah. I, uh, I think my first nine years, I won every year. I played sixteen. Uh ended up winning twelve titles. Mm-hmm. Probably should have won fifteen. Tell right. you the truth, but you know. Uh, that's maybe my pride. That's speaking great. a little bit, that's a great, uh, great, great <laughs> accomplishment. But, but, but you're
0: a winner. You, yeah, you, I don't. You, you're, you're a winner. That's 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 a that's a great. You, you are yeah. a champion. Yeah. The people need to know that. You know, one of the reasons I wanted you on this show was not just because of your induction into the Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. but I wanted people to know, get to know a little bit more about the, the holistic man, right. the, the humility that you have. You know, that just that that you're a champion. Yeah. You're not just a guy who who likes basketball and talks right. basketball, uh, but but you are a champion. It mm-hmm. it, it means something to, to 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 do the grind and the process to mm-hmm. win championships and then back to back championships right. and all of that. Right. And these are things you don't talk about to most people. I happen to know that. Right. But I happen to know about these championships, and so right. you know, young some of my younger audience uh, needs to hear. We have a champion. Not just There's a reason these guys are in the Indiana uh, High School Basketball Hall of Fame. Right. Not just playing basketball, but it's right. tenacity and how to win. Right.
1: And, you know, I think uh, one thing I'd like to share with your viewers is, uh, you know, uh, having the right people around you, mm-hmm. you know, having the right teammates, mm-hmm. having the right friendships. I mean, I played with a lot of great guys, but they weren't just great basketball players. I, mean, I really mean, like, Bob McAdoo is a great man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have any vices like hanging out and drinking and cursing and, you know, doing bad things. So mm-hmm. when I see a guy 35 years old who comes to work every day mm-hmm. uh, to win every scrimmage and to challenge me to put out every day, it meant a lot to me. Or if I played a guy like Miles Simon, right. who was the Final Four MVP in 97 right here in Indianapolis for Arizona, mm-hmm. and you playing with a guy of that caliber, straight-laced guy, right. does things the right way, you know, uh, appreciates his teammates, uh, celebrates you when you're doing well. Right. Or, or Kevin Pritchard, who's the... Right. GM right. for the Pacers right now the president of the Pacers I played with him a year in Italy mm-hmm. great guy I mean those are great men uh great foundation right. uh committed to to be helpful
0: both on and off the
1: court on and off the court is what i'm saying you're right
0: that that kind of that that, that brings me to um um what is what has become is becoming a more increasingly hot topic today relative to uh, the character of men and relative, to men athletes, mm-hmm. as you know, I wrote a book about them, more than icons and images. Right, uh, and in, in the book, what I discuss is that um, the Black American athlete um, has responsibilities that are uh, historic that have been laid upon them. Mm-hmm. Talk. Let's 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 talk a little bit about what you see, uh, what uh, how you see the responsibilities of being a black male athlete or female athlete for that for that for that business right uh what is there a role in your mind for the black athlete in the social justice issues oppression racism subjugation in america today and if so uh what is that role uh i think that role is to be a voice It is
1: also a role to be an activist uh to not only talk to talk but to walk it Mm -hmm. uh I think what bigger platform do you have than mm-hmm. the entertainment at, uh, platform? I mean, you have eyes on you, millions of eyes on you, global. Right. And so not very many places in society uh, do, athlete, do people have a platform as big as athletics. Mm-hmm. And so as a black male who, uh, and we all know that black males don't have platforms in the medical field uh, that we... That not we, as
0: frequently as we need. I
1: mean, they're right. there, right. but they're not as visible. Right. Or even entrepreneurs. We have entrepreneurs, but they don't really have a platform. We don't We don't hear about the Robert Johnsons. We see Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. as a black female, but it's right. hard to really point to a black male. Sure. Right? But sure. in athletics... Scarce. Right. In athletics, we have the biggest platform...
0: To have the biggest voice to reach the most people, Ken. Why do you think um, uh, uh, some of our African American males shy away from this uh, reality? They they often were raised in the poverty. Mm. Like many of them were raised in poverty, right? Um, oppression and uh, drug-ridden environments, and they use sports to get out, and and uh, they saw racism on their way out mm. and see it at where they are now. Why do you think some of them are quiet about it? Is it that they're afraid of losing? The footing they have could be. I, I can't speak for everybody else because right. I know I like Ab- Abdul Raouf. <laughs> um, he spoke out, was right. banished. Right. Kurt Flood years ago. Kurt Flood spoke right. out was, was, Craig, was like, Hodges. Craig Hodges from the Bulls. Right. Spoke out, banished. Right. You think that you think the fear? Do you think fear gets in the way of some of these uh, athletes speaking yeah. out? I, I Whether think, it's football, basketball. Everybody's not Tommy Smith or John Carlos, but right. Right. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's true historically. Uh, even without sports, you know, uh, we're going to make an example of this one mm-hmm. to intimidate the, the rest in the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to take a stand. I, I read on the internet one time that uh, someone said that I, I was blackballed myself uh, for taking a stand against the NBA because uh, I had a great agent at the time and he co- he had me to collaborate with Junior Bridgman, David mm-hmm. Robinson, uh, Armand Gillum, uh, Jose Ortiz, Rory Sparrow uh we we were uh challenging the uh, it's not it's not headlines but we challenged the NBA draft wow uh back in 1987 uh as uh not going along with the collective bargaining agreement
0: so we we thought that the draft should be completely banished wow uh, let let's, what we gonna we're going to do and talk about that in just a <laughs> second we're going to take a break right now right. we're going to come back and when we do we're going to get into that because okay. that's the type of uh a protest mm-hmm. uh to make everything better for everybody else It right. needs to happen. Right. We'll be right back on Moves That Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Clyde Posley. I'm back. I'm your host, Dr. Clyde Posley on the Moves That Matters show. And we have our guest with us, uh, Ken Barlow. We've had a exciting conversation i want to give him an opportunity to kind of finish his last point and then i'll come back to you and close out our show ken was talking to us about uh some moves that he and some other nba players made uh in in sort of a stand mm-hmm. in 1997 relative to the collective bargaining uh agreement and the nba draft ken talk to us about where you are
1: yeah well you know uh it, I was a first-round draft pick, right. and it was tough negotiating. And you said it earlier. You were saying, well, why did, why did the Hawks take you in a trade? And that was my question as right. well.
0: Knowing that they didn't, they didn't have, intend to make a roster move.
1: Right. Right. So, uh, anyway, a great agent I had, a guy by the name of Larry Flasher, came to me and said, I got some other guys who have some questions about mm-hmm. the draft. Uh, what is your thought? So I told him, I said, listen, I think the draft is wrong. I think that I should be able to market my talent just like anybody else markets their talent at a college. And as they
0: do today. <laughs> right,
1: yeah. right. So yeah. I, I thought, you know, coming out of college, just let me be a free agent and let me talk to whatever team Whoever. I need to talk right. to. Right. I don't need to be drafted because if I can play, uh, my talent's right. going to speak for itself. Right. So anyway, we, that's, we, that's we, sued, right. we sued the NBA. And ultimately what happened in 1987, there were seven rounds and they moved the draft down to two. Mm-hmm. So what you see now is really a result of what happened behind the scenes in the courthouse.
0: Say that again. Say that again. <laughs> that is a social justice protest moment that right. got some quick results. Right. And so there were seven rounds in right. the NBA draft. There were seven. And then you and and you, once we won the case in nineteen eighty-seven, they, they did
1: not dissolve the draft, mm-hmm. but we counted it as a win because they moved it back to two rounds.
0: Right. And so then, those other guys mm-hmm. would get. Maybe the freedom that you guys were looking for, right? So right.
1: guys could get more freedom, but then along with that, they started sliding guys in on salary. So uh, a team, when I got drafted in '86, uh, negotiating, they could offer you one dollar if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, well, the league minimum was seventy five thousand, so they could offer you the league minimum if you was mm-hmm. the first pick in the draft. Legally, they could say, we're going to offer you $75,000. Right. Uh, But what we did, what we felt like we won was now they they prorated each position. So Mm -hmm. from the first pick to the 30th pick, uh, guys were getting market value Uh, for first-round draft pick. So we counted that as a win as well. And
0: you were a part of the uh, litigation that led to that change in 1986. Ken Barlow. Yes. Name some other guys that were on there. You said Rory Sparrow. Rory
1: Sparrow was Uh on there. David Robinson was Mm -hmm. on there. Junior Bridgman was in that suit. Uh, Armand Gillum, the late Mm -hmm. Armand Gillum was there. Uh, Jose Ortiz Mm -hmm. uh, was on that suit. Uh, And maybe one or two more. I can't remember off the top of my head.
0: And that kind of makes you kind of like a – Tommy Smith, you know John I don't Carlos know about kind that. of guy, man. I don't know about that. That's that's, that's big, man. That's yeah. big. That, that's some, that's something that some people need to know about. Yeah. That you worked uh, as an African American male, black male athlete, and fought the big giant of the NBA and mm-hmm. got some results. Yes, and that, got some results. The results, yes, they were right. they weren't exactly what I wanted, but I think there
1: there was progress. So right. so now uh, players players are getting fair market value as first round draft picks and, and other players are able to market their talents around the league as they see
0: fit. I think some people need to know more about that. And we're going to talk more about it uh, uh, in our next show in part two of this show, uh, which, which, will, which we will do next week. Okay. I, listen, I want to thank you for being here today. Look forward <laughs> to you being back next week. Yes, sir. You're a fantastic host. I want to tell our, our viewing audience, we're excited to have had you with us here today. This has been a fantastic show. Please tune in next week for our uh, Black Voices in Action series for the month of February, our Black History Month. Uh, uh, New voices moving forward, actually having black voices that are actually moving and doing, creating their own black history right now. We look forward to having you next week, uh, uh, Tuesday, 7.30. Brother Barlow is going to be back with us, and we're going to be moving forward, having some more deep discussions. Next week, uh, he's going to talk a little bit about what parents need to know Uh, uh, so that they can be informing their children, their teenagers about what needs to be on their mind as black athletes, but as as Christians. We look forward to having you. I'm Dr. Clyde Posler, your host of Move That Matters. Keep in mind this thought. You live life making moves every day. Make your moves moves that matter. Kingdom style. God bless you. I'll see you.